Hello and welcome to the 15 minute, we're going to try and keep it to 15 minutes because a lot happened, recap podcast from Monsen and the Bucket Boys Resurgent. Joining me again is Remy Govan. Thank you very much for joining me. It's good to be a uh, part of the Bucket Boys. The Bucket Boys <laughs> dream, man. Authentically crap, just like how we like it. So, um, crazy race today. For the viewers, listeners at home that maybe kind of, you know, come into various parts of the race, can you just explain how the weather played out over the course of the day? Yeah. Um... Tropical storm Philip didn't actually, uh, it was a little bit tamer than I expected. I uh, woke up this morning and the ground wasn't nearly as wet as I thought. It was, uh, you know, there was a few little wet bits, but uh, yeah, not not nearly what I, th- what I was expecting um, overnight. And with this course is rocky, it's rough, it's fast. I think most riders, just trying to do their best run ever, irrespective of World Cups, would be quite scared about the prospect of that rock garden section in the rain what's the rock like here is it does it slick up and get wet or is it kind of what would be what would be your feeling if you were about to crack well, on here? well i think through practice um the track was pretty much perfect i think that little bit of rain just made the dirt that much better it ta- it you know made sure the dust didn't uh wasn't too dusty and mm. the rocks steam seemed pretty dry so i think uh all through practice this morning, it was basically as good as it gets. And then right before <laughs> semifinal, it started raining. And the rock, I was in the rock garden, it started getting wet, started getting slippery. And uh, you could tell right away that like the first runs of semifinals, people were definitely a little hesitant, um, just trying to like feel it out. But by the end, it looked like people were pretty much charging. And that dirt hadn't tracked onto the rocks too much yet. but. But I think by finals, with the lack of, you know, more rain to wash that dirt off and all the riders tracking the dirt on, it definitely got a little bit dicier. Yeah, so let's start with the elite women. So Valley Holt took out the win in quite a dominant fashion. Nina Hoffman in second, Vero Widman with a fantastic third place for her. Monica Rasnick becoming a podium regular in fourth. And Hattie Herndon, the EWS racer such as yourself, rounding it out in fifth. Now, let's be honest... Valley's pace was good. She very wasn't good. the only one with very good pace, but she was the only one to probably really make a clean meal of it, apart from Veronica Vidman in second, sorry, in third. Uh, Nina Hoffman had something of a wild ride. So did Marine Cabarut with a look like a pedal strike to quite a large impact. Um, it's a probably quite a painful place to crash anywhere in those rocks. For sure. I think um, starting with Hattie, I think that I'm, I'm really impressed with her getting on the podium this weekend. I was talking to her on track earlier and she said she was really struggling with this this track. She was like, I can't believe people compared this to Monsignor, or sorry, to uh, Fort William. This is way gnarlier than oh, Fort yeah. William. Mm-hmm. Um, because there's just nowhere to rest here. Um, I think Fort William has long, smooth sections that you can like just take a breath and and recompose. Whereas this track, I really don't think there's anywhere. Like people are barely pedaling on this track, which means it's basically full on start yeah. to finish. So that was awesome to see her on the podium. Uh, yeah, Nina had an absolute wild run. Um, I don't know if she like fully crashed in the rock garden or just had a huge moment yeah. where where she her bike was it looked like she was going to crash and then and then somehow recomposed to get to the finish and then her front tire blew out on the last oh drop, my God. yeah whoa which would be so scary so or the last jump sorry which would be really scary um and somehow like was just off uh veronica's time and then Valley just had a dominant run. She looked really good the whole race. Um, in terms of, you know, 
different race wins will mean different amounts to different people. In 10 years' time, it will just be another World Cup win. But at the time, do you think it's somewhat bittersweet to win with a safe run? Or sorry, win because everyone else didn't quite crash? A safe run would be unfair because her pace was very, very good. But if other people hadn't crashed, it probably could have been a really close run thing. I mean, yeah, I think like you want your competitors to do their best run and still win, but yeah, I don't think it was a safe run for her. I think she's going to be really happy to finish off the season, you know, stamp her name, Valley's name on the season. And um, yeah, I think that uh, her performance is just Exceptional. so good right yes, now. Yes, safe run would definitely yeah. be the wrong word, but just clean one would be better, better phraseology perhaps. Yeah, I think the conditions were just so challenging. It was looked really hard to get a clean run in and like as we move into the men's you know i would say less than 50 percent of riders had a clean run this weekend like i would say like for the first 10 you know six or seven riders no one had a clean run they all made like huge costly mistakes and i was kind of joking as i was watching like the first rider that puts in a clean run is going to get a top 20 like just yeah by default yes um and so let's progress on to the elite men now so jackson's goldstone won and he beat ethan crack into second place denying him of his first world cup victory now what you canadians don't understand is poor ethan's got to go back to england now he's got to go back to a miserable british winter could he not let him have it um in third Lloyd bruni taking out the overall bernard Kerr kind of continuing his quite remarkable kind of late blooming uh, late blooming career really I mean he's he's kind of coming into it very good but later than most and yeah it definitely seems to be like a solid podium rider every single weekend and yeah it's quite impressive and Gaton Vigé climate um, rounding out the top five between Crack and Vigé I think like those are the standout rides of the, yes. the weekend like you know those aren't can, aren't uh consistent podium riders so for them to do runs like that is just so sick it is quite amazing yeah. i mean i think especially someone like vijay that the journey he's had going on to that cube team which was a funny setup because it was with phil atwell mm-hmm. and they're probably the two least cube riders in the world and the cube up, is very cube and they are very not cube <laughs> you know you can't fit a round peg into a cube hole i think as the phrase goes um and it must mean a tremendous amount to him. I, I imagine he's on that Gen S team. I don't know. I've, obviously, I have no idea what his situation is. But either way, whether it was his, his own money getting him over here or a relatively small setup, probably budget-wise, Gen S is getting money over here. There does come a bit of pressure that perhaps other riders who get a full complement of support, race results, big time wage, don't really have to consider. And to deliver it here... I think is really special and um, a massive congratulations to him. Yeah, definitely. That was a solid, solid run from VJ. There was one notable absentee from the podium. Well, a couple, but one I want to talk about is Dakota Norton. To have <sighs> that crash and to come back. I mean, I don't know if you saw it on the live feed, but he did this hip transfer right at the start that was just... The yeah, way he rides a bike is there's amazing. A, there's a painted rock right as you come off that jump, and if you jump too far right... It looks like you could totally like clip this rock with your bike and you know eat it but instead of coming close to this rock it looked like he just jumped right over the rock and like railed the turn and he was definitely on probably one of the best runs of the weekend and we didn't see his crash because it wasn't on on the live feed but he clearly laid it down he was dirty on his you know side and then continued to just put down like a solid run and i bet in his mind i'm i i would bet that it wasn't 
his full pace i i think mm-hmm. that when you go down there's something that says you know like it's over um I'm going to ride this out at, you know, 80% and get to the bottom. And I think that's what he did. And then all of a sudden he was like one, it was like 0.6 yeah. off the lead. He went from like, f- you know, three or four to 0.6. So he was still on like such an immense pace. And from that point on, I was like, I was screaming at the bottom. I was like, just go. And then he comes over the last jump and doesn't pedal to the finish line and then looks back and sees the time. And I think at that point he would be kicking himself or I know he was kicking himself because you could see it on his face. And, uh, yeah, so that was definitely sad for one to see him crash. And then two to just like kind of cruise it to the finish line and then be so close. I would say like that was definitely a podium ride, maybe a winning ride for sure. It's interesting, isn't it, for all the discussion of the the youth coming in and really disrupting the established sort of pecking order. There's actually a number of riders who have really, it's taken a while to get it, Dakota Norton, Bernard Kerr, maybe Andreas Kolbe, though he is slightly younger, who they just were years honing their craft and now they are incredibly consistent. I mean, he had a crash today, but in terms of pace, it's it's quite amazing. Um, In your experience... What, when do you think a rider does hit their peaks? They have to have a relationship between risk-taking, experience, fitness, strength. It's not as simple as just being the most aggressive, uh, you know, in in your in that moment. Tough to say. I think, yeah, it's just like it's all about that relationship with yourself between you know the risk and how much you're willing to put in, or you know, when you decide, okay, that. I'm, you know, there's, there's just, I think there's a switch in some routers that goes, okay, I'm willing to take that risk. And then all of a sudden it's like, all of a sudden that switch turns off and says, I'm not willing to take that same risk. And, and they can like still get through the rest of their career, just like backing it off that couple percentage points and do great, but they might never do those like magical runs again. And as you progressed in your career, going from, you know, World Cup racer, established injury rider, What's your Which relation? is a World Cup, by the way. Oh, I'm so sorry. I nearly said EWS. Oh, God. Somebody, there's just, you know, Chris Ball's eyes going to be just twitching. Um, what's your relationship been with risk? As you've kind of got older and gone through gone through your kind of 20s, and now you're, what, 30, 31? I'm 31 now, and uh, yeah, I think it all... It's it's such a funny thing. I think if you're feeling comfortable, you're willing to take the risk, and if you're not feeling comfortable, that risk you know, you're just, it's just harder to take those risks. So Mm. it's all about getting yourself to the point where you can convince yourself that these risks are within your (laughs) capability, I think. And, and that's all in your preparation. I think like, it's really hard to just convince yourself in the moment that that risk is worth the reward, but uh, it's all in the preparation for sure. Absolutely. And speaking of preparation, Lloyd Bruni, what was I mean? He's, he's just obviously a, an amazing sort of generational talent. His preparation seems to be on point. I think he's moved from the early days where he was kind of you know he won world champs before he won world cups, mm-hmm. and now he seems to just thrive in in pretty much any track, any situation. He's he's always in contention. It was sad not to see Loris have have his day but he had a huge crash this morning loris verger yeah he had a huge crash on the uh, greg menard gap near the bottom um from what i understand he 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 didn't do the gap but he pushed into the landing and i think 
caught his bottom bracket or maybe his pedal on a rock and just flipped over the bars it from what i was told like the bike just stopped and he kept going mm. and um i think he hurt his hand or his wrist in in that and um actually when he came down you could see that he they had taped his hand to the bar wow. so fully to the bar like he couldn't let go until someone had removed the tape so definitely a bummer to see you could see that like he faded over the track like mm. you know the first split he wasn't he was kind of in touch but but over the course of the track like i think that that pain would have just gotten to you and it's it just eats away at your confidence for sure as is every compression that you're taking is a, you know a little bit more and more painful as the run goes on uh so we didn't get to see loris mm. do what we all hoped he could do today which is definitely a bummer yeah totally i think having that constant reminder that you're mortal probably isn't you know that you feel feel large amounts of pain um and then of course ethan crack yeah i mean that it's amazing you know. i mean i don't know too much about ethan crack to well, be he, honest he won that junior overall but in the 2020 season so it kind of mm. had the asterisk next to it right but he had a great showing last week really impressive i love the way he rides so aggressive and he just seems to i know i mean what's there to say i mean that is a fantastic result kind of gutted that Jackson, but not because I'm not happy for Jackson and success and winning here. I mean, I'm sure it means a lot to him, but I would have loved to have seen and I'd love to have a different winner every round. We could have had a different winner every round of the whole World Cup, which would have been cool. Uh, but sadly, not today. I mean, he definitely looked super aggressive every time I saw him on track. Um, both runs this morning that I saw him in the rock garden, he like honestly almost crashed, but but somehow like rode so so fast through the section he would he was doing this line which was just a bit more inside than everyone else but he had to basically pick his front wheel up over a pretty large hole that if you put your front wheel into i think you're like guaranteed to flip over the bars and uh he was kind of just not jumping it but just unweighting ever so slightly over it and yeah, I, uh, I was super impressed with his lines through there. I imagine for GT, a brand that is actually, you know, it's owned by Pon, it is, it is a big brand with big heritage. They haven't necessarily really, I don't think they've even had a World Cup podium since maybe the Athertons. Realistically, they had, um, you know, mm -hmm. the Denim Destroy, who was getting some great results. You maybe know, Mark Beaumont. Oh, sorry, do you know who it would have been? It would have been Martin Mace. Martin winning, Mace. Winning a World yep. Cup. Yeah. But I mean, like for such a big brand, they, they have an amazing presence at these races. They, everyone always, they seem to have a great team culture and I'm really happy for them. I, th I think they did great. And the bike looks good. I mean, Roger looks super good on that bike. Wynn is actually riding. I'm really impressed with Wynn's riding right now. And uh, yeah, Ethan on the podium. And then last but not least, Jackson Goldstone. I mean, he's had a turbulent season. You know, I think his appendix and then he mm -hmm. had complications of that and lost a lot of weight at one point and then I believe what would have been Andorra broke a wheel in the finals run cost him probably a lot of points in the overall he surely is one of the favourites for next year yeah he's got to be I think I've heard that Santa Cruz have like locked him in for a multi-year contract now and uh, I think that um, that makes sense I mean if I was them I would definitely want to do that um, do you know what his secret is? I see him there all the time. Fresh slice pizza. He, oh, he, yeah. Me and him keep that place afloat in Squamish. It's like $2 a slice. It's made of like oil and ter and sugar. And it, it's clearly, I mean, I mean, one of us is fast, but 50, 50 ain't bad. 50, that 50 is not bad. bad. Yeah. That's a yeah, good return. I think, I think Jackson definitely, you know, he does what he likes. He doesn't do what he doesn't. And um, it's working for him for sure. I mean, the kid is so fast. I think like, 
his semis run was definitely impressive um and then his finals run was like insane insane he he i think he laid down one hell of a marker in that semis and honestly at the time you know we speak about just before this it was such a shame to not be able to see him celebrate that in wild style knowing that oh man still i've got to go back up dust off the bike and give it another go um but that is it we're actually at 16 minutes and 17 seconds and oh my god brian park is going to be bloody angry at me when i take up too much internet again so we've got to get out of here there's only so much room and we're taking all up with podcasts thank you very much for listening thank you very much for coming on remy i really really appreciate it and congratulations to everyone on this crazy world cup season no worries thanks for having me